As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey there, this is Natalie, and I wanted to thank you for checking out To All the Men I've Tolerated Before. I am very excited because recently I celebrated the podcast's first birthday. And what better way to celebrate than to try and build up this community of tolerators and gather them all in one space. To do that, I launched our Patreon where you can make a monthly contribution to the podcast and get some amazing benefits like early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, some virtual hangout time with me and other tolerators, and other ways to really allow us to get to know one another. Any support that you can give to the podcast will be so helpful in the second year to help me elevate the content and grow our community. There is a link in the show notes that contains all the information you need to help the podcast grow. I love and appreciate every one of you. Happy birthday, Team Tolerator. This is To All the Men I've Tolerated Before with Natalie Katona, the show where my guest and I chat about all the ways the systems we live under affected our romantic life and what we find acceptable in relationships. Today, I am joined by Dr. Natalie Jones. She is the host of A Date with Darkness, a podcast where she explores how abuse in relationships affects our well-being. We will be talking specifically about narcissism. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Jones. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you inviting me to the show. Oh no, this is so important because I feel like it's a topic that gets talked about a lot, but not always in the correct way and not with a focus of, well, how do we move forward with our best interest in mind? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it gets, it's, um, you know, narcissism is a buzzword today. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, it resonates with a lot of people. A lot of people are very quick to say that they've had one in their lives or they're the person that they're seeing or married to is one. So there's a lot of stuff going on around about that. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. So could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you started your podcast in this journey? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much for asking. So I am a licensed psychotherapist. I'm based in California. Um, I have been licensed in California since I don't know if it's 2011 or 2014, one of those years. <laughs> I feel like it's kind of bleeding in. Um but I, because I, I started out in Chicago and I was working and did a lot of training there and then moved to California and that's why it gets a little fuzzy. But um, so I've, 
You name it, I've done it pretty much in terms of mental health work. I've worked for employee assistance programs. I have worked for hospitals. I have worked for skilled nursing facilities, rehabilitation centers, um, substance abuse rehabilitation, intensive outpatient, partial hospitalization, hospitalization, crisis units, prison, um, uh, and now I'm in private practice and consulting work. Um, and so you name it, I've done it. Um, so part of my work, my work started in Chicago. Chicago is a um, lovely city. Uh, mm -hmm. At the time I, I trained there, there was a lot of things going on in terms of crime um, and things like that. So I got a fresh start early on in terms of people being abused and being subjected to criminal activities. Um, and so I knew when I started out, I wanted to do a lot of forensic work and, and work with domestic, um, domestic violence. And my career path just sort of channeled me that way. And before I know it, um, you know, I, there was a time in my career where I didn't want to do it anymore, but it just kept funneling me there. <laughs> And so um, a lot of people were coming to see me about being in abusive relationships where violence was perpetrated against them. On the other hand, I also had people that I was seeing that were perpetrators of violence or crimes against persons. Um, and then also in my personal life, just kind of going through some things um, with romantic partners, friendships, that just left me feeling like what is going on. Um, and so I created the podcast, A Date With Darkness podcast, because I wanted, um, it, it was a, it was a multi-pronged approach, but the, I would say the deepest, most underlying reason underneath the podcast was because when I was coming along, I didn't know what narcissism was. I didn't really mm -hmm. know I didn't really know what abuse was. And I know that sounds crazy, but here, here's the thing. I know what it looks like. I knew what it looked like with other people, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had worked with um, animals, humane society. I worked with domestic violence shelters and it's very easy to kind of identify it um, in other people when they're in it. But when you're in the bubble, it's not, is easy to identify. And so part of the, the reasoning for the podcast is I wanted to educate people on some of the things that I had experienced that wasn't clear for me to see and stuff that I wish that people had educated me on. Mm -hmm. Things like boundaries, things like consent, um, things like being taken advantage of, manipulated gaslighting. Um, those weren't those weren't common words when I was coming along and, and those are more prevalent now than they used to be. I, I just knew that something was wrong. Um, and for a long time, I thought that something was wrong with me, you know? And so it, it became an internalization process. And it's like, you know, no one really talks about that. Uh, and, um, you know, people do reinforce that, yeah, maybe something is wrong with you. You're going to therapy, you're doing all this stuff. And yeah, there is something wrong. And so I just, I kind of wanted to educate people and talk to people in a way and point out things in relationships so that they could see that, no, this is a real thing. You're not alone. Here's what it is. Here's why it's happening. I think the, I call it my common denominator system in my brain where it's like, well, if I'm the common denominator and I am the one who is experiencing these types of relationships over and over and over again, that makes me the problem, not them because I'm seeking them out. I, you know, for a long time, I kind of subscribed to that, the mm -hmm. common denominator theory, but I don't know that I necessarily do it anymore. And here's, here's the thing, you know, like I said, I worked with animals before I, before I ever worked with domestic violence shelters or any, any of that type of work that I've done. I worked with the Humane Society and I worked with an animal hospital. Um, people do all kinds of things to animals, 
right? They abuse mm -hmm. animals in various ways. If I were to go out and abuse an animal right now, no one would say, well, that animal is with Dr. Natalie. And so that animal is the common denominator of the abuse that it receives. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I don't think that, I'd, yes, we all have stuff in our relationships, but I don't, I don't subscribe to the notion that, you know, we're, we're attracted to abuse or we deserve it or because we seek it out. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are some things that we do um, in our behavioral mechanisms in terms of, you know, this is what we saw growing up. This is what we see on TV, but I don't subscribe to the notion that this is all you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. If that makes sense. Oh, it's something that my counselor tries to drill into my head all the time. <laughs> she will have me repeat all the time, like, I was abused, but I did not ask to be abused. And it's a very clear distinction. And I think it's a distinction that we don't talk about enough. And I think it's so great that you brought it back to animals because you're right. No one would look at a dog in a shelter and be like, well, that dog asks for shitty homes. And yeah. that's why he keeps getting here. Like it's a shitty dog. Absolutely. Like we get, we get dogs. We always give dogs the benefit of the doubt. I went, I went and saw come from away last night at our local theater. And it's, you know, it's about the 38 planes that had to touch down in Newfoundland during 9-11. And only one woman on the island went, if there are 38 planes on one of those planes, there has to be an animal. And she spent all of her time removing herself from, you know, helping the people who had to be displaced for the moment and just taking care of the animals. And I was like, oh, that would have been me. I would have been like, I hear a dog and I need to be on the plane with a dog. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And even if a dog were to bite me mm -hmm. or even if a zoo animal bites people, a lot of times people say, well, you shouldn't have been in their, their cage. Yeah. You should have done that with them. You know, animals are in their habitat and people will fight tooth and nail not to have an animal euthanized, even if it's vicious. Uh, so take from that what you will. But yeah, yeah. I do think that's kind of a, a double standard in, in another way of um, conditioning ourselves to internalize blame. Blame and shame. Those yeah. are two of the big things that have been internalized with me over the years and over not countless relationships, but a majority of my relationships. Could you give us the clinical correct definition of narcissism? Yeah. So when people think of narcissism um, or when you, when you talk about narcissism from a clinical point, um, most of the time we're talking about narcissistic personality disorder, right? And that's typically very rare out in the day-to-day -day population. And people usually have to meet, you know, five of the nine characteristics out of the diagnostic and statistical manual, which is our um, psychiatric Bible for diagnoses, if you will. But when people are talking about it in the day to day, like, you know, when they're referencing it, um, what they're really referencing is someone who is egotistical. They lack empathy. They're very manipulative. Um, they're very vindictive. Um, and they could be abusive in a number of ways. So that could be financially, that could be sexually, but most importantly, uh, it's psychologically and it may be even physically, um, but there's some level of coercive control or something like that, which people are typically referring to um, or they're attempting to refer to. However, what's happening is that... Um, the, the word narcissism is just being used to encompass a lot of things. So if someone is emotionally unavailable, if someone is avoidant, um, if someone is unable to be vulnerable or uh, vulnerable or intimate, like emotional intimacy, a lot of people are using that. If someone is just a jerk to you, 
Right. <laughs> That's one of my questions. How do you tell between a narcissist and I don't know, he was just a jerk that I dated. <laughs> yeah. Is someone is just an egotistical jerk. Yeah. But then when you're talking about the personality disorder, that's like on a grand scale, you're talking about someone who is overly grandiose, very entitled. You're talking about someone who lacks empathy and who specifically seeks out people situations or things for secondary gain which means for their own personal benefit like I'm only seeking out things that are going to benefit me in my life you're talking about people that are very highly hypocritical the rules apply to everyone else but they don't apply to me um, someone who has a godlike complex believes that they are um special or beautiful and should only be affiliated with the most highest of things, the most special, the most beautiful, the most brilliant, even if they don't necessarily fall into that category. Um, so you're talking about someone who's on an extreme spectrum, typically. Why do you think the term narcissist or narcissism has become so trendy in our day-to-day -day life to where we find it so easy to almost diagnose someone with narcissistic personality disorder because it's just become a, oh, well, he was narcissistic and that's why I got misused and abused. Yeah, that's a good question. And there's there's a few different reasons I think that this happens. I think when it comes to psychiatric um, you know, illnesses and things like that, I think it's just something, it's something that naturally happens a lot of the illnesses or, you know, there's some that are much more prevalent than others do typically become a fad where people are throwing them out um, to apply. Oh my, how many times have you heard my girlfriend? She's so bipolar mm -hmm. or, you know, something to that effect, or, you know, things are just overly identified with people see them on TV that could be ADHD this year it could be it 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 really just varies and I think that just is a natural course um the other thing too to think about is you know someone can have narcissistic traits like what I there's a difference between the disorder than the traits, right? And that happens with any personality disorder that you can have the traits without necessarily diagnostically fitting the criteria for the full disorder. And so with that being said, I do think that people take some of the, some of the traits and just make it applicable to all of it. And, you know, just are quick to assign a label. And there are people too um, thirdly, what I will mention that are quick to, you know, assign blame. And if yes. we don't internalize it, we can externalize it. And by externalizing it and saying, this person did this to me, right? Um, this person is this way, right? Or it could also be not just the externalizer externalization of blame, but, you know, a lot of times when we experience uh, abuse or un dissatisfaction in our relationships, we seek answers. And, and the quickest way we seek answers is to try to figure out what's going on with this person. Clearly, there must be a mental health issue or there's, there's something going on with them and maybe I can help them or maybe I can just figure out what it is. Oh, that's what it is. You know, this is what it is. That's a mental thing that they've got going on. And as a true crime fan, um, and that's how I honestly start, got started listening to podcasts. Mm -hmm. um, I think that our society is mm. so binary focused. So it's either you're a killer or you're innocent <laughs> or you're mentally ill or you're a sane person who can do everything right and has complete control of their fallacies mm -hmm. as someone who will experience their chemicals getting in balance from time to time it would be lovely for me to say and now I completely live in the gray where I understand that people can be narcissistic kind of without having a full-blown disorder yeah. or someone could be mean and not be an abuser but yeah. we do assign these labels to people and I think it's because 
when you assign it a label, you almost get to go, and now I understand it. Mm -hmm. And now I know how to treat that person from here on out. Mm -hmm. Which they don't. Right. Even, if they, even if they understand, if they think they understand it and they assign that label, most people still don't act accordingly. Right. They still kind of hope that there's going to be a different outcome mm -hmm. and fall back into whatever cycle that, that was going on. Yes, you are correct. It is a cycle. <laughs> so in the name of were they narcissistic or were they just a jerk that came into your life? my man that I've tolerated before that I would like to focus on. I knew him before we became romantically involved for a year. And for that entire year, I did not like this person. It became a running joke in our relationship. Like, remember when you didn't like me for an entire year? And I was like, yes, you turned off everything about my mental state, my emotional state, and my body. You were a huge turnoff and my entire body knew it. But then I got to this point in my life and it was right before I left teaching and I wasn't renewed for a job. So I was in threat of being unemployed. So I'm stressed. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting treated for my depression. So my depression is probably out of control. Hmm. And this man all of a sudden made himself the perfect carbon copy of what my brain felt like I needed during that part in my life. So it was a lot of, oh, Natalie, um, I just can't believe not only are you so intelligent and beautiful and all of that, but you're witty and you're talented and it's the buildup. And then to, and then it's the, but I'm emotionally unavailable, so you shouldn't want anything to do with me, but please know if only I deserved you, we could rule the world together. And that's how our relationship started. It all revolved around Halloween. Um, I was dressed as the feather duster from <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. I made my own costume <laughs> as I want to do. And we began this texting relationship. And the tricky thing about texting and Snapchat is that you get this false sense of intimacy and then you get to fill in the blanks in between the text messages and the photos about what's really going on. Interesting. Yeah. You so know, that seems to be common in today's times. Mm -hmm. When I think of text messaging and Snapchat, the first thing that comes to mind is that's not a relationship. If that's is. the only way you have contact with a person. The first thing that comes to my mind is they do not want a relationship mm -hmm. with you. So it was a couple of months of just like testing the waters with, I'm going to be honest with you. I am a dirty texter. I've always been prone to writing. <laughs> I talk about it a lot on the podcast. I'm a dirty texter. So it was testing the waters with like, ooh, I'll send an attractive photo or a slightly sexual photo with a description and things like that. And we always kept it, and we were in the same friend group. So we would have to see one another a lot and circle around one another. But we kept it almost like you said, this make-believe fake relationship where it's all just kind of in the internet ether. Eventually, that didn't become enough for me. And I expressed that. And I got like the emotional unavailable pushback. And then we decided that we could, as two emotionally mature adults, handle a physical relationship without dating. And I drew clear boundaries with that. It's like, okay, so we'll see each other. We'll date. We won't tell our friends. We'll enter a physical relationship, but his behavior pattern changed. So when I started making our relationship more of a physical connection, and it's like, oh, we're going to be physical. We're going to meet one another's needs physically. He all of a sudden went, well, now I'm going to make her convinced that I am also emotionally invested. And instead of focusing on the physical attraction that we've been talking about for months, I'm going to talk to her about all of the ways that she's made my life better in this very grandiose, like, and 
I always knew that I was deserving of a woman just like you putting me on the pedestal. Um, I will say, I will have a humble brag moment. At the time in my friend group, I was, I believe the quote unquote, like most desirable single person in my friend group. So there was kind of a status to that. And then our friends started to catch on. And he asked me one night, he goes, well, do you care that our friends have caught on? And I went, no, because then this could enter the real world. Like, and our friends don't care. So like, that's what we should be doing. If our friends already know, why are we sneaking around? And then it all became a teardown of Natalie's reality, where instead of me believing that we had grown from a mutual attraction into a physical relationship that was then pivoted into an emotional, mental connection. It was, well, you knew from the beginning that I couldn't handle things that were mentally and emotionally involved. And then I would be like, that's confusing because you told myself that you wanted, you told me that you wanted to be my best and like greatest friend for the rest of my life. We were planning trips. We were planning so many things. And then it became just a tear down of all of the things that I was led to believe about the relationship that we were building. And then it was, I, you brought things out in me sexually that I don't even respect about myself. So then I was shamed sexually about it. And it was such a volatile breakup that for weeks, if not a couple of months afterwards, my body was in continuous panic mode. Mm -hmm. And I think something happened in my brain where because my reality was so abruptly called a lie and I had to grapple with that, that if I saw a car that resembled his, I would get like real shaky and out of breath. I once tried to leave a movie because I was convinced he was in the row with me. And my friend was like, I'm checking his Facebook right now. He's at this place. We found out that he was secretly grooming the next woman that he was going to date. date. And it was a woman that he and I had made fun of while we were together because we both... I assumed that we both mutually had a lack of respect for her. So we would do comedic bits about her while we were dating and together. Meanwhile, I don't know that she's the next one that he's grooming to take advantage of and try and date. And when I look back on it, I remember having a moment where my entire brain said, you should have known better because for an entire year, your brain and your body said, there's something up with that one. And you watched him charm and manipulate his way into each one of your friends' lives. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a false sense of security. Like he's a safe person or else my friends wouldn't hang out with him. They know something I don't know. Mm. It sounds like a tricky situation. I... I hear what you're saying, mm -hmm. but it also sounds to me like there, it sounds to me like what I'm hearing from you, and I don't know all the details, but it sounds like from what I'm hearing, um, something very common happened, um, which is happening a lot in today's dating world, which is where two people are really linking up. Um, and when I say linking up, it sounds like things got physically intimate before they were doing anything else. So that's what in today's world we call linking up. Um, and so because of the way that the link was established, it was never in my, from what I'm hearing, established as a relationship. It was always more or less a link. And the thing about the linking up in today's um, world that I've experienced through working with people is that people who link up will do all very similar things that to what you do in a relationship, but they don't actually ever call that a relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're doing all the things, but we're not 
we're not a couple. And right. what people are learning is that if the if you guys aren't, you know, outright specifying, hey, I'm with you, you're my girlfriend, or hey, I'm with you, you're my man. If that's never something that's specified, it doesn't matter if they say, oh, you're a good friend to me. We're planning trips. Again, we might go grocery shopping or go to the movies together. You could do all the things, but if they're not outright specifying that, then the fact of the matter is they view you as a link, everything but that. And it's not going to be something that ever comes to fruition. And again, I, I default back to, you know, if something starts and continues via Snapchat, social media platform, I'm saying Snapchat, but any social media platform or texting, in my mind, the first thing that that's not a relationship. Yeah. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think it was so easy for me to fall into a false sense of security with him because he was someone who existed in my friend group. So he was someone that I felt like I knew things about. He knew enough about me. Um, a for- former coworker, when I was explaining what had happened, called him a chameleon. He goes, oh, he goes, he was one of those people who learns the five things that are the most important to you. Mm-hmm. And he parrots them back to you mm-hmm. to build that relationship. And when the coworker said it, it all dawned on me. I go, yeah, I am a very open person in my friendships. So even if I wasn't being open directly to him, he always had access to me. So if he heard me being open to someone else, then he got to learn just enough about me that he could parrot all of my wants and desires and all of the things that I felt either great about myself or badly about myself and then craft this narrative about like caring about me in a healthy way and the way that he handled it when he got bored was ready for the next got too intense is he just tore all of that down and then all of the things that he had told me for six months were just like, I don't even remember saying that, or I don't know where you would have gotten that idea or things like that. So yeah, it sounds like it was a situation that got hairy. And yeah, for sure. And it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you, it was a very painful experience. Yes. And then I think when it comes to abuse in a relationship, I was a 90s and early aughts kid. We were given a very specific, this is what abuse looks like in a relationship picture. And it didn't really involve a lot of mental and emotional manipulation or abuse. It was shoving people up against a wall 
or screaming. It was very volatile, very out loud. I don't think we do a really great job of understanding all of these. I don't think that we do a great job of talking about all of the subtle ways that people can get into your head and then misuse your feelings or misuse your words. And when it is that very subtle way, you start to second guess and make excuses for the person that you formed a bond with, because it's like, oh, that can't be that person. Because in my mind and heart, they have the best intentions when it comes to being in a bond with me. And the fact of the matter is he, they might. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, I think a lot of people uh, now get attachment styles and narcissism confused. Oh. This is very common in attachment styles where you talk about people that are anxiously attached and people that are avoidantly attached, which, you know, people that are avoidantly attached, um, it's very difficult for them to um, be emotionally intimate and vulnerable for sustained period periods of time they typically have to withdraw um, so they usually seek comfort in being alone whereas people that are anxious seek comfort being with someone you seek out the comfort and validation and closeness of being surrounded by people and specifically your love interests and it's not uncommon to link up with someone or connect with someone that is saying all the things that sound good about a relationship only to have them completely withdraw. Um, They may avoid you, they may ghost you, and you know, things could seem to be going well, and this sort of comes out of nowhere, and then you're kind of, if you're the anxious person, you're left wondering, like, what happened or what's going on but I do think attachment styles have a lot to do with that also um that's some really good perspective and now I'm going to have to re-journal about this relationship (laughs) and reprocess all of the things that I've already processed about him it was a doozy it was the one that messed me up the most and I think it's because At no point did I think that the reality that I was living in was the false reality until my version of reality just immediately got swept out from right under me and torn down. It's starting to happen again in a place where I can't control whether or not I'm in touch with narcissistic or abusive, manipulative gaslighting behavior. And it's happening in my place of work. Mm. So it's very timely that this is the day that we're recording this episode because yesterday I had a horrendous work meeting where myself and the counterpart who does my position at work were not directly told this is an event and this is the place that we need you at the event and this is what needs to happen. Now, yesterday was Wednesday for all of the tolerators, this event got planned Tuesday at 3.30 p.m. That is when everyone was let know about the event. My uh, coworker is a mother who has to juggle mothering schedules on her work from home days. And I had also required to be working from home yesterday. And at no point were we told, hey, because this has popped up as things are wont to do, we're going to need you to shift your plans or shift your mindset. So we went business as usual yesterday. We got called into a meeting where it immediately started with just a complete teardown of our professionalism. It was, you don't smile enough. Um, We can tell that we bother you every time we're asking you to do something about your job. There's no joy behind anything. And it just really made me nervous because then you didn't even show up for this. 
So then I said, I was like, well, I was cleared to work from home today and I wasn't told that I was needed for the event. And then it's a bunch of, well, you should have assumed that you were needed for the event. Why would an event happen and you didn't assume that you had a role in it? And then the blame started to be shifted from the coordinator of this event. It was, well, I expected my secretary to reach out to you about the event and to train you on it. And, and then if she didn't do it, but I was told that she did it, then I expected your director to tell you about this event, which my partner in my position had asked our direct supervisor, she goes, do we need to change anything about tomorrow? And he went, if no one told you that you, he goes, they were supposed to have a meeting with you if they needed you, but if they didn't have that meeting, then I don't think you're needed. And it's not my event and no one's told me exactly who is needed. But this cycle that, this leader in our department gets into where it's a shift of blame, it's a tearing down of your professionalism, it's mm -hmm. completely rewriting what you've been told about a turn of events. This is an event that we've had in the past that doesn't get a very high amount of people. And I was told that the expectation, the expectation was that each time we had this event, about a hundred people would attend. And it was pretty much like eight to 22 people would show up for this event. And when that was brought to the leader's attention that maybe we needed to rework the event, it was, oh, this is an event that a lot of people are supposed to be attending because if they're attending the event, that means that the system that they're supposed to be following outside of the event um, isn't working and we didn't actually do the job. So when no one shows up for the event, that means that I did my job well. Look at me, I did it. And it's very emotionally volatile for me because it mimics a lot of the gaslighting and the manipulation that I've experienced in my past where it's, I go in every day and I expect for this to happen during my day. And no matter what my assumption is or what evidence I've, I have that this is okay to do, if someone else's attitude, mood, or anxiety gets to be larger than mine that day, then my entire reality has to flip on an axis. And at the end of the day, I'm always the one in the wrong. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it can be a tricky situation with your work, um, you know, and I'm not sure of all the little nuances mm -hmm. that were going on behind the scenes, but it's definitely something that if you feel strongly about it's something I would definitely talk with you know the person your supervisor or your manager about in terms of um, what expectations are and how things could run more smoothly for you and hopefully the organization if that makes sense yes hopefully something has got to change about our work environment yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what is it about people who have a tendency to manipulate or gaslight, people who have narcissistic tendencies that makes it easy for us, the people who are in these type of relationships to ignore our better judgment and ignore the danger signs and the red flags? There, there's a couple of different reasons um, you know, so there's, there's, there's attraction. Mm -hmm. Um, so like you said, if there is something immediately in the beginning where that you feel like that person doesn't like you or might not be attracted to you, you might, it might be a familiar story where you're kind of like, oh, things have shifted and so now I'm invested. And that is something that happens to people naturally. When we work harder to obtain something or the attention of someone or where we start out where we're not being liked and then we're suddenly liked, we typically value it a lot more. 
Um, usually there is something in the relationship with a person that has narcissistic traits that we're getting from that. So it starts out most of the time when relationships with narcissists, they start out being extremely charming. Mm -hmm. They start out sweeping people off their feet and that feels good. That strokes our ego. That's telling us things that we want to hear. It's making us feel in a way like it feels great or maybe we've never experienced this before or we begin to get hopeful that this person can give us something that we've been seeking out for quite some time. And so we get caught up in that, whether that person is saying that, hey, I wanna get married, I wanna have a children, I want us to live out our lives together happily ever after, if they're saying those 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 buzz worthy phrases or things that are like magic, like yes, we're on the same wavelength. Um, also, too, again with narcissists, there is a lot of mirroring that does happen, where they kind of mirror what your uh, values are. They're mirroring what um, your experiences are. So if you've gone through a tremendous loss hey, they've gone through that too, and we could connect on that level, right? And, you know, but there's there's something about it that makes us, you know, first of all, attract and become hopeful and invested uh, with that. Um, yeah, I think it's always the mirroring that gets me. I am a person who loves to go out into the world, meet a person and go headlong, like, oh, look at us. We have things in common. And then the more excited I get, the more I'm like, oh, and this is working out and it's great. And then weeks, days, months, years later, I'll have an aha moment and I'll be like, oh, you immediately let this person into your life because they maybe said three things that you mm -hmm. enjoy. Mm -hmm. And now this person has allowed themselves to be in your, has been allowed to be in your life, mm -hmm. tearing down your self-worth, <laughs> making you believe things that aren't true, um, monopolizing your time or making it feel like they should be the most important. And it happens in friendships, relationships, jobs. And it's such a delicate balance when you want to be an open person who loves friends and loves making friends, but also kind of has to come into the, in the back of your mind, you have to have like the whisper, like, Hey, you really don't know people until you know people. That's what my counselor is always trying to tell me. It's like, when you get yourself into a sticky situation, like currently my toxic work environment that drives me crazy. She goes, you didn't, it's not like they put in the offer letter by the way, this environment is toxic and you chose to ignore it for your paycheck. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You got there and realized that there were things in place that made your workplace toxic. So it's such a delicate balance to be walking around going like, I'm open and I love people and I love meeting people and collecting their stories. And then also going, but also remember that people have the ability to wipe this out from under you if they so choose. 
I think that's it, but I, I also think there's something in the mechanism and where we connect with other people. Mm -hmm. A lot of times what we do is we will put all of our eggs in one basket. And it's not something that I recommend um, for, for anybody really, but that's usually how that, that locking mechanism can work for mm -hmm. a lot of people is that they meet someone, that person is saying all the right things, we're, we're vibing on so many levels, it must be karma uh, or cosmic, right? It must be aligned with the stars um, that we're connecting on so many levels, but really, it's not good to become so submerged so quickly. Mm. Relationships do take time, but also they require you to become objective to get to know. So as opposed to uh, saturating your time with one person from the jump, it's always a good idea to be you know, friends with multiple people, dating multiple people, and to also continue your own life activities and not become so submerged quickly and it's good to also observe the relationship over time how do the two of you manage conflict how uh, is this person's uh, character in alignment with the things that they're saying or are they just feeding you a story what is their um, what does it look like in their own relationship background? What are their other relationships look like? Have I seen them in various social settings? Have I seen and met with uh, people that they also interact with? Do they have a good relationship track record? Are they capable of even being in a relationship? Because that's the other thing too. If we haven't verified that a person is capable of having a stable relationship history we should not be treating them as such until we actually have that confirmation the confirmation isn't from them stating it it's the confirmation from us you know being around them and meeting their their tribe or their network or the people that they interact with to verify that with our own eyes and um, also vice versa they should be meeting your people and being invested in your life also, yeah. so if it's just, you know, we have this sort of shallow thing between the two of us, and then that's it, that's probably not going to go anywhere. But if they're interested in meeting your people, and you're interested in meeting their people, and then you guys are actually uh, intermingling in lives. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that 100% guarantees it, but I do think that there's something to be said for your social network meeting them because a lot of times what tends to happen too that people will often ignore is that you might really like a person and then your friends or your family meet them and they say I don't like them they're they're um they're saying all the right things or they're too good to be true something doesn't add up right and so your your uh your network will actually spot the flag right away. Like they're, they're, you know, they're just too chummy. They're too good to be true. Something's not right. But if we've, if we've been intimate already or we've already become so invested in that relationship, by that time it's too late and we don't want to hear it. Yeah. Or we, we ignore that. Or we kind of forge ahead anyway because it feels good to us and we're going to pay more attention to feeling good right now. Yeah, I do fall into traps where I'm a completist by nature, Capricorn, high ability, former student. Um, so it's like when I finally, it's like, oh, I've been on three dates with you and now I'm done. I can mark off the, <laughs> the relationship mm -hmm. box because I did it or, oh, made a new friend and I can just check that off. We're friends, it's fine, it's happened. And now we can just live our lives knowing that. I fall into that trap all the time. It comes up often. <laughs> yeah, I saw this, this uh, TikTok the other day and um, the guy was saying, um, and which this, I feel like this is true and I think it, it applies here. He was like, 
when you go grocery go grocery shopping, it's not a good idea to go shopping hungry, right? Because then you're just you're blindly putting things. You're you're shopping based off of that that desperation of uh, that desire to eat in your tummy. The same thing is also true when you're feeling lonely or you want companionship. You don't want to go seeking out a relationship when there's that desperation to be in a relationship or you know that that desperate feeling of loneliness because you're not objective you're going to be making decisions based off of that yeah in short, that's kind of what came out of the video it wasn't exactly what he said but kind of in short yeah that's a great point that i need to paint on my walls or something like we don't make decisions about relationships when we're stressed when we're depressed, when we're lonely, when we're yeah. our life is in upheaval, yeah. we just don't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, this has been such an enlightening hour. I cannot wait until I get to re-listen to this and process all of this information so I can take it forward to mm -hmm. better my life and hopefully my listeners. On to all the men I've tolerated before. We have two traditions where we each share our biggest takeaways. So yours could be about your career or what you've learned about yourself through your career. Mine is usually wrapped around the conversation. And then we walk away from the conversation because so many of these get heavy um, in joy and we manifest positivity for the collective uh, future for all of us. Yeah. So if you would like, I can go first with my takeaway from the conversation. Sure. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from today's conversation is there are so many things that I lean on when it comes to my identity as a person who is dating, forming relationships, a daughter, a sister, um, a friend, where it's so rooted in the things that have hurt me in the past that it makes me both defiant, like I want to prove all of those things wrong, so I dive head first or avoidant. I have both been an anxious attacher and an avoidant attacher in my life. I love to just bounce between the two. So if my biggest takeaway and probably my homework going forward is if I could kind of just let some of those more negative identities from who I am as a person in a relationship fall away to the side. Mm -hmm. I would not only be more open to the people who are entering my life, but I could be more objective. And instead of just being excitable or avoidant or nervous, I could chill and ride the vibe wave and be prepared to not hate myself when it goes wrong. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, people, a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there that want relationships. Um, it's always a good idea. Again, we'll go back to the grocery shopping story to have an idea of what you want and what that looks like for you um, prior to going out there and seeking that out. Um, and I say that because it's always good for you to be the creator of your narrative and your character and your story. Um, and that means crafting how you want that to look, not going out there and expecting uh, the other person to be the sun, the moon, the stars, and the planets and create that for you. Um, and so you can really have the life and the partnership you desire, but it does take work. It does take effort on your end. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't, uh, it's not something you click a button and can be delivered at your door the very next day like Amazon. Um, but it is, it is possible to have that if you really, really want it. Um, and there's a lot of great tools out there to help you get it. So, you know, if it's something that you desire, it is attainable. You know, there's, there's, there's gifts that help you along the way 
there's therapy, there's podcasts, there's books, there's videos, um, there's a social support network. There's all these things out there that you can use to get the life that you want. Would you say that that's the biggest takeaway from your career or your experiences, or is there another lesson that you would like to share? I think that's the biggest takeaway from experience and career and just as a human being, um, you know, but I also say, you know, in terms of the career, um, I do think that, let's say, um, I think I'll go with that. All right. <laughs> and I think for my manifestation and the positivity that I would like to dump back into the world, because I got to experience such a great hour with you is I hope that at some point, instead of just focusing on labels that we can hand people to make it a pretty package that my brain can feel comfortable with, we actually start having conversations. We're getting into a society and a community where we're still so rooted in blame and shame that when one person hurts us in one way, we've decided that all of the other things that they have done is also kind of secretively hurt, hurtful. We see it a lot with Hollywood and celebrities where if they do something that pisses off their fan base, they are immediately abandoned and canceled and all of it. And while it makes a pretty picture for people to get to comprehend, it doesn't leave a lot of room for forgiveness and love and empathy, which is what we're all trying to move towards when we talk about narcissism and the lack of empathy with narcissism. So I would like it if instead of just the black and white binary, good, bad, evil, heaven, if we honestly just strip down why hurt people hurt people, we'd get somewhere. I would agree with that. Um, and I would also agree with, you know, it's everyone's responsibility um, to get the tools that they need to heal themselves. Even if we know that someone's hurting, someone's hurt does not necessarily give them the right to abuse other people. But Again, it's your responsibility if you know you have trauma, if you know you have things that you need to heal to do just that. Would that be your manifestation, your hope that people are seeking out their toolbox? It would be that people seek out their toolbox, that they use all of the wonderful resources that are here. Um, you know, Google is at your fingertips to definitely seek out the life that you want for yourself. Um, and trauma does not have to be the end all be all. Hurtful relationships do not have to be the end all be all. You do and you can have the power to change that narrative. Um, so think about what that looks like for you and go forth in the best way that you can. I appreciate you so much for giving me part of your afternoon. Um, thank you so much for being here with me in the interweb space. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And then please make sure that my audience knows where to connect with you and your content and all of the tools and information that you're trying to deliver people. Absolutely. Yes. So um, you can visit my website, www.drnataliejones.com. Um, and that has a link to pretty much every way that you can access me from email to all of the social media platforms to my podcast and everything like that. So everything you want is right there on the website. Um, you can sign up for my email newsletter right now. I have I think it's a free ebook on the uh, how to identify red flags in your relationships. So you can do that. And typically the newsletter goes out every Friday um, as well as the podcast is weekly. So there, there is that and you can connect with me there. All right. And then tolerators, you know what to do. Um, you got to follow us at men I've tolerated pod because that Instagram has the link tree that has access to all of the ways that you can find the podcast 
and get a hold of me if there is a topic or a question that you would like to make sure I cover. It also has that firesidechat.com slash Natalie Katona link where you can sign up for the Fireside platform that is very exclusive. They will not let you on it without a link and come to the live shows where you can ask me questions live and try to stump me when it comes to my healing journey. Um, and remember tolerators, you don't have to smile through anything that you're tolerating, including the way that you may internalize the blame and the shame that you've given yourself due to the ways that you've been treated in the past. Smiling is for joy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.